please turn in your Bibles to our passage this morning, which is Revelation chapter 5. We'll be looking at the entirety of the chapter this morning. And as you're turning there, I want us to be reminded that John is writing this while on the Isle of Patmos. He's in exile. He was taken up in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and it was in this state that he received this vision of these things. And I know that this book is one that is often abused and misinterpreted, and that it has some things in it that are difficult to understand. But as we come to this text, I want us to keep in mind the words of Paul in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And if we truly believe that, if we truly believe what Paul says, then we must believe that it is true of this book as well, that it is useful for us today. And so I pray that we will see how this passage is profitable and useful for making the saints here perfected and furnished unto all good works by the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus our Lord. So hear now the holy, inspired, inerrant, and infallible word of the living God from Revelation chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out unto all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 
and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let us ask his blessing upon it. Heavenly Father God, we do thank you for this one day in seven that you have given us to wholly dedicate unto you for the public and private worship. And Lord, as we have just sat under the reading of your word, Lord, we ask that it would enter into our ears and into our hearts, that it would be made effectual, that it would be received as the means of grace that it is. And Lord, that it would stir in us a desire to serve you more faithfully. So Lord, we ask that you would bless the reading in this way. And Lord, now as we approach the proclamation of this word, Lord, we ask that your word would go forth, that the truths of this word would be applied to our hearts, and that your spirit would make these things effectual to us. So Lord, I ask that where I may stutter or stumble or fail, that your spirit would cover any imperfections and that it would not taint the proclamation of this word. Lord, open our hearts to receive this and do the work in us that only you can do. We ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We are living in great times. Now, I know that may sound a little crazy to you given all that's going on in our world, but don't Listen to what Fox News or CNN or Facebook is telling you. Don't let those things distract you from the incredible things that are taking place in these times. Just a few weeks ago, one of my friends informed me that a mutual friend of ours, who was part of the Jehovah's Witnesses cult, left the Witnesses and embraced Christ as her Savior Do you, do you understand how amazing that is? This is a, a lady who has been given eyes to see and ears to hear. And she became aware of the heresy of that cult and her need for a Savior. And she submitted to Christ. And she did this all the while facing severe shunning from her family. Praise God. I'm hearing people tell me almost on a daily basis about how their churches 
have grown in the midst of these trying times in our nation. And this this isn't just one church. No, this is this is dozens of churches that are experiencing great growth in the midst of all of this turmoil. And that means that more people are hearing the truths of the gospel presented on a weekly basis. That means that more people are being connected to and, and involved in a local church. And do you see how amazing that is? The kingdom of God is advancing. Praise God. And the Lord continues to raise up faithful men, training and equipping them for the work of pastoral ministry. Just a few weeks ago, the various presbyteries had their fall meetings and numerous students were sustained in their exams, moving one step further to being able to become under shepherds of Christ's flock. The Lord continues to build and grow His church here on earth and it's a beautiful sight to see. Praise God. But I know that these amazing things that are happening can still be a little worrisome to us all because we don't normally like change. And that's what's taking place. But take refuge in the promises of Christ, the one who is unchangeable, the one who is always with you. As things begin to change, as some things go away and some things stay the same, rest in your risen Savior. So brothers and sisters, hear this exhortation to you here today. Rest in Christ, the victorious Lamb of God. And I want us to notice four things in our passage this morning. First, the unworthiness of man. Next, the worthiness of the Lamb. Third, the call unto man. And then lastly, the worship of the Lamb. The unworthiness of man. The worthiness of the Lamb. The call unto man and the worship of the Lamb. So our text begins by showing us the unworthiness of man. Let's look back at our passage starting in verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So here we see the scroll that's written on both sides. Now to us, that may not seem important. It may not really mean anything to us. But if you were to look at how writing on scrolls took place at this time, you would see that they were only written on one side. Because if you wrote on both sides, then you run the risk of damaging the writing on one of the sides. But here we see that there is writing on both sides. And yet that writing is not damaged. 
This testifies to how extensive and comprehensive the decrees of God are, that they couldn't just fit on one side of the scroll, but it took up the entirety of the scroll, front and back. This scroll is God's decrees, the revelation of the Lord, and it's sealed with seven seals, signifying the perfect and complete nature of God's decrees for all time. Nothing can be added to or taken away from it. But there's a problem. The scroll is not opened. God's decrees are still sealed away. And this is a problem. And so we see this strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And what's the response to this angel's question? What's the response to this call for one to come and to open this, se- this scroll and to loose its seals? It's deafening silence. Nothing. All is still. All is quiet. And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. The angel cries out with a loud voice asking if anyone anywhere is worthy to lay claim to this scroll and there was no such figure in all of God's creation, not even among the angels who was worthy. No one is worthy. For no one had earned the right to stand before the presence of God and to lay claim to this scroll. No one. No one is worthy. No one could open the scroll or loose its seals. Man is utterly unworthy to behold the divine decrees of the Lord. I hope right now you're beginning to sense the hopelessness of this. Can you feel how much despair has come over all of creation because of the unworthiness of man? John felt it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. John knew what it meant that no man was found worthy to open the scroll and this fact caused him to weep. And this doesn't mean that it was a simple gentle sob or even a standard cry. No, what John does here is a continual emotional pouring out of his soul for quite some time. He felt the reality that because of man's unworthiness, there was absolutely no hope. Oh, that more of God's people would have such a heartfelt conviction concerning the mysteries of God and the desire to know them. But John's weeping is not where this passage ends. It doesn't stop with the unworthiness of man and the lack of hope to be found. And thank God it doesn't end there because it continues on and it shows us 
the worthiness of the Lamb. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out unto all the earth. And then he came, and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. First thing I want us to notice here is that it's not an angel that comes to comfort John in his distress. It's not one of the beasts from before the throne. It's not one of the uh, four living creatures. No, it's one of the 24 elders. These elders represent the church. 12 representing the patriarchs of old and 12 representing the apostles of the new. The elder has the honor of pointing John in the midst of his tears to that victorious Lamb of God. And this imagery to you elders should remind you of the honor of proclaiming that gospel that God has given to you as officers in His church. Because you are his people on earth. And this is an honor that not even the angels have. It is to Christ, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, that this elder points John. And this lamb has, this this uh, Lion of Judah is the one who prevails to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. He's the one who undoes all of the hopelessness that John previously experienced because of the unworthiness of man. Because he is worthy. But it's interesting to note that when John looks, he doesn't see a regal lion standing there. Fierce and mighty. But instead, his eyes fall upon that perfect Paschal Lamb, which was slain. This Lamb is the very one which the people of God have been looking forward to since the days of Abraham, when Isaac asked his father, Where was the Lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham said that the Lord himself would provide a Lamb. This lamb is the one to which those Passover lambs pointed forward to as they were being slaughtered. This is the very same lamb spoken of in Isaiah 53.7 when the prophet says he was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent so he opened not his mouth. And this is the lamb who John the Baptist announced in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
And as the Lamb stands in the midst of everything going on in this heavenly scene, He does so as one who has been slain, a witness to His death on the cross. But it's also a witness to His resurrection. Because though He was once slain, He now stands and He lives forever. The passage says of the Lamb that He came and He took the scroll out of the right hand of Him who sat on the throne. This is an act of power. It's an act of authority. Here we see the power and the authority of the Lamb to approach the throne of God, to approach the Holy One of Israel, to approach the Sovereign King of the universe and to reach out and to take the scroll from His hand. It can only be someone who has the authority of God that can come before the throne of God and take something from His right hand. Only the Lamb can do this. Why? Because He is God Himself. God, the second person of the Trinity, the Son, is the one who satisfies the needs of worth to be able to peer into the divine decrees of the Lord. He is worthy to open this scroll and to loose its seals because there was no imperfection found within Him. Oh, what a joy has come from this glorious truth that Christ, our victorious Lamb, is worthy. And in taking this scroll, we see the reaction of those around this Lamb. Now when He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Here we see one of the many reasons why that lamb is worthy. And it's because of his sacrifice. Taking on the sins of his people, dying the death that we should have died, that he is declared worthy. And in his death, we see the call to man. The call to all people to come out from darkness and into light. He calls to himself a chosen people. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. This is huge. 
Do you see the universal nature of Christ calling people unto Himself? It's not just Jews. It's not just Gentiles. It's not just Greeks. It's not just Europeans. It's not just Americans. No, He has redeemed people by His blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. We're catching a glimpse of the divine decrees that are contained in this scroll here in this verse. And while we don't know who those who have been redeemed by Christ are, we do know that they come from everywhere. There's not one nation, not one realm, not one culture, not one ethnicity that does not have people purchased by Christ's blood among them. And so what draws them? Well, the Holy Spirit, of course, is the one who effectually calls and draws men unto Christ. But more specifically, it's the Holy Spirit working through the ordinary means of grace that the Lord has given to His church. Primarily, the preaching of the Word. Romans 10.14 says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Brothers and sisters, this is our calling. This is our role that God has chosen for us to be an instrument in calling people out of this world and unto Christ. This isn't specifically talking about the preacher on Sunday mornings, although it does speak to that. But it's talking about the simple proclamation of the gospel that all believers are to do. And so if we are called to proclaim this gospel, who are we called to proclaim it to? Every tribe and tongue, and people, and nation. Think about where we are right now. In this town, there are roughly 55,000 people. There are people from America and Central America, South America, Asia. You're currently living in a community that embodies this notion of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And not only that, Kansas State University is in your backyard. There are over a hundred different countries represented at the university. The Lord has providentially placed you here with such a diverse population surrounding you in order for you to fulfill the mandate to proclaim the gospel to all peoples. We must be careful not to get so comfortable in our insulated, tight-knit groups of like-minded and like-cultured people that we lose sight of the bigger picture. The victorious Lamb of God has chosen people for Himself and He has ordained that our proclamation of the Gospel is the means by which they will be brought into the fold. 
Don't just believe that it's true. Show that it's true. And remember, this calling of people and ransoming them by His blood from every tribe and tongue and people and nation includes us as well. That glorious truth ought to drive us to proclaim the very same gospel that saved us to this lost and dying world around us. In recognizing the sacrifice that Christ made, that he did shed his own blood for us, ought to evoke in us a response in worship of the Lamb. So let's conclude our passage. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be given be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. At the revelation of the Lamb who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose the seals, the response of the angels and the creatures and the elders in the heavenly throne room of God is to fall down and worship. They attribute to the Lamb blessing and honor and glory and power. These qualities are attributed to the Lamb in 5.12, but they're shared equally between the Lamb and God in 5.13. Because the Lamb is God. He possesses the attributes of God. And so these things are true of the Lamb. Since Christ is and was God from eternity, He has always possessed these qualities. But it's only after His ascension and especially after His return in glory that He publicly exercises them for all to see. It's in His mediatorial reign over all things that these attributes are clear to the eye. And this is why, this is why He is the rightful object of our worship. It is the Lamb who has stripped away all hopelessness found in creation due to man's unworthiness. It is the Lamb who is worthy to open up and to bring forth the divine decrees of the Lord. It is the Lamb who ransomed people by His blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. 
What other response could there be than to prostrate yourself before the Lord of glory and to sing praises to your victorious Lamb? Brothers and sisters, this must be our response when we ponder the works of our Savior, when we see the great love with which He loved us, when we truly recognize how vile sinners we were, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, hopelessly lost in our flesh, when we see the glory of the redemption that was purchased by His blood on the cross on our behalf, and when we marvel at the resurrection and ascension of our Lord on high, the only response we can have is to bow down and worship. This chapter presents us with weeping and singing. John looked and he had no hope and so he wept. And then he looked again and he saw not only hope, but certainty because of the worthiness of the Lamb, and so he sang. His weeping was turned into singing. Maybe some of you here have looked and looked and looked, and you've prayed and prayed and prayed, and you can only weep because you haven't found the Savior. But I say to you, look again. Because he is on his throne. He is available to you. He is approachable. He delights in having sinners come to him with their sins. And he can turn your weeping into singing. Don't stray from him. Because on that last day, there will be a weeping that doesn't turn into singing, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ponder eternity. Think about it in this moment. Will you, will you be in that place of unending weeping or will you be in that place of unending singing? If you are among those who are redeemed by Christ's blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, then join together with the saints through all ages by singing praise to Christ, our victorious Lamb. Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, we come to you and we are humbled because we do see how unworthy we are. That we cannot even gaze into the divine decrees that you have set forth from all eternity past. But Christ, the Lamb of God, He is worthy. And he has opened up that scroll and loosed its seals.
and the divine decrees, Your will, O Lord, is made known to us in Your Word, and it is given to us by the Word, Christ Jesus. And because He has purchased us out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, that we have been united to Him in His blood, we are found worthy now to gaze into those decrees. And because of all this, Lord, we can only worship. So Lord, I ask that You would implant these things into our hearts. That it would cause us to love You in a greater way, to appreciate the work of Your Son in a new light and cause us to fall on our faces and worship Christ, who is our victorious Lamb. Lord, we ask that You would continue to implant these truths as we approach our coming week. Let this Word be food, meat to sustain us through this coming week as we continue to meditate upon it. And we ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.